The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Purposes? We're talking about today on the lab report the james maskell one of my favorite guests very famous health economist he's here to talk about community i mean he is the health economist oh, yeah t-h-e the world of medicine can be challenging clinicians and patients are always looking for more options more effective treatments and in the end more answers functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Happy birthday, Patty. Aww. How do you feel about birthdays? I love birthdays. Your own? No. No? Not so much. Not a big fan? No, I don't mind my age. Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. Patty Davers, happy birthday. Thank you. I just want to clarify. Okay. It's not that I dislike my birthday, because I actually am proud of my age. I think I've earned every year, so I champion it. Every year? Yeah. What about that? What about the the four to five (laughs) year? I don't know about that one. Do you earn that one? I will say. I think your parents earned that one. Michael Chapman, your birthday is coming up, too. We're both October babies. That is true. How about we move on to something people care about, <laughs> which is the fact that this is a lab report podcast, uh-huh. or it's called the lab report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and all that stuff. Aww. And if you're new to the show, welcome. If you're returning, hey. thank you so much for all of your support. Hopefully by now you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify, perhaps subscribe to the show, rate, review, leave Michael some birthday messages in the feedback there. You could do that. You could put question of the day in there. You could uh, try to guess our birthday. Guess our age. <laughs> Maybe that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Just based on our voices. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, you can send all that to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. And without further ado, I think we need to start talking about James. Oh, so many of you may remember James Maskell has been on the show in the past. So much energy. He really brings the energy to this podcast. And he's back because he's in a new venture. James is a lightning rod. Yes. Um, the last time he was on, I remember at the end <laughs> of it, we were out of our chairs. I leapt out like of my chair. Fist pumping yeah. and yes. like. I jumped up. He is a motivator. Yes. Um, and I don't even think, I don't even know if he is aware of how much of a motivator right. he is, but he's just that contagious of a spirit. Um, and so it's always a pleasure to have him on and talk to him about. Really, anything. We could probably be talking okay. about the ballet, and I'd be okay. out of my seat, fist bumping. I agree, I agree with that. And I'd, and quite frankly, the Nutcracker doesn't. Not, I don't think it deserves that. <laughs> and I I don't think that's even how you're supposed to appreciate it. But, <laughs> but if you, you were with James and you were watching the Nutcracker, that's <laughs> what it would be. He's such a champion for the idea of root cause medicine, functional medicine, and so he's always pushing this forward, finding new ways to scale this up to make really good quality healthcare available to everyone. And so that's what he's here to talk about today, his new venture called Heal Community. Can't wait to talk about it. Let's give him a ring. Travis, three tickets for the Nutcracker. Michael, he's back. I know. James Maskell is here. Always pumped. I know. James Maskell is the founder and CEO of Evolution of Medicine, an online resource for integrative practice development, clinical education, and healthcare technologies. He hosts the Evolution of Medicine podcast and the Functional Forum, the world's largest integrative medicine community across six continents. He is on a mission to create structures necessary to evolve humanity beyond chronic disease. Most recently, as the founder and CEO of Heal Community, a virtual group coaching 
Education Program. He delivers a custom technology platform to support patient adherence to behavior change. He has written several books, including The Evolution of Medicine and The Community Cure. James lectures internationally, having been featured on TEDx, TEDMED, and HuffPost Live. And with that, welcome back, James. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thanks for having me back. I'm really excited to, to be here. It was one of the highlights of my pandemic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ours too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, okay, so in your book, Community Care, you talk a lot about the community model. We know this is one of the main sort of foundations of what you discuss. And it certainly has been kind of difficult to foster in the midst of everything that's been going on, lockdowns and such. So can you speak to the power of community and not only your efforts in helping clinicians, but just how to apply this to healthcare in general? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that, you know, you can see that healthcare is under-resourced generally, right, mm -hmm. everywhere. In the UK, where we have the single-payer system, in America, where there's seemingly unlimited resources, but somehow not enough resources to get people the care they need or the doctors the PPE they need or anything like that. So there's this incredible resource, which is peer-to-peer -peer delivery of value, right? Mm -hmm. People keeping each other healthy and supporting each other and being healthy that we use to 0% of its capacity and its capacity is massive. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what we see is all the way through my journey, I've just seen where this peer-to-peer -peer delivery of value exists. So, you know, before the functional forum, I came out uh, to where I live now, actually in, in uh, near Sacramento. And there was a there was a meetup of doctors who got together every month who were all like in the early stages of their functional medicine training. This is like 2013. And I heard there that meeting every month for a few doctors together gave them all the confidence they needed to continue on that path. Because if they spent like if these two pediatricians spent time with other pediatricians, they'd be like, we're crazy. But, you know, when they were seeing you know, autoimmune disease reversed by changing diets and then speaking with the local functional medicine doctor, it was sort of reinvigorating them to have confidence to move forward. That's on the like the practitioner side. And then on the patient side, I mean, kind of why I wrote the book was I just felt like if if the whole of functional medicine is built on behavior change and people only get better if they make the behavior change, then we have to use the most effective and efficient forms of behavior change if we want functional medicine to work at any sort of scale. And that's when, you know, the group method, which has been seen to work for alcoholism um, and, you know, with Alcoholics Anonymous is the, you know, the best example, but then you start to see things like centering pregnancy and other things that I spoke about in my book, where if you take the group structure and you apply this sort of missing curriculum right which is kind of what functional medicine is i think leo gallon called it that last year at the annual conference and i was like man that's such mm. a great way of communicating what functional medicine is this missing curriculum that people don't know and need to know to be healthy that um you know now we have uh, a really powerful container for health creation and so, you know, that's really, um, you know, what I've been looking to explore. And I explored it with the book and I wrote the book and it came out in January 2020 and I was very excited about it. And then in March 2020, the whole world of group related anything was just decimated. Right. right and right. recently we've had on our podcast and on the functional forum, some doctors talking about, you know, what has been the impact of the decimation of groups to things like addiction Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, like never mind the fledgling functional medicine groups. It's been, it's been very, very disruptive um, 
you know, my plan before the, the, the pandemic was, well, I'm just going to sell the Cleveland Clinic Functioning for Life training, right? And mm -hmm. get all these other big institutions to follow the lead of the Cleveland Clinic. But that program that the Cleveland Clinic made is not purchasable yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, still yeah. two years later, because of the pandemic, you can't just have tons of random people showing up in the Cleveland Clinic. And so that's had to be sort of shelved. And so, you know, I'm so sure that this forced is what needs to be harnessed for this transformation of healthcare to happen that um you know not even a pandemic was going to hold me back and so i just been like looking to see okay what can we do um and and how can we move this forward even with uh the sort of the state of the world the way that it is i love yeah. it i love yeah. it we'll we'll talk a little bit about this talk about some of that friction that was involved in scaling the groups and the community care to the larger healthcare landscape and i think this is what has led you to heal community is that correct yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, um, there is a lot of friction with doing groups. I just want to, you know, I, I guess I've discovered that over the years, and I hope that the book would reduce the friction because in the book, it's like, here's exactly how to do it. <laughs> you know, it right. was like, you know, let's make it as easy as possible. We've given away thousands of copies of the book. I can give you guys all a link for anyone who's listening to this to download it for free. Would that? Would you think your listeners would like that? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so go to thecommunitycure.com slash audiobook. You can download the whole thing for free. I want to just get it to as many clinicians as possible because I think, you know, it's like once you hear it and once you understand the potential of it, it really changes your thinking if you're in the business of either keeping one person healthy or keeping populations healthy, which is really kind of where we're, where we're headed. So, you know, so what, I, what I've come to see and still come to see to this day is is that there's a lot of friction in starting group medicine, right? So there's there's the friction of like, this is sort of systemic friction of like, well, where are we gonna do it? And like, how, how are we gonna organize it? And who's gonna be in charge? And what staff are gonna be needed to do all the like billing stuff? You know, you know there's that kind of thing. But then there's also a lot of trepidation on behalf of physicians um, who have never done a group and not sure how they'll do in a group. And if I'm really honest, I think that trepidation is reasonable because what I've come to see having done, you know, this many groups now, I can tell you all the stuff that we've done. You know, one thing for clinicians to understand is that what's really needed to be a great group facilitator is actually almost the opposite of being a great doctor. Hmm. Right. And, and that speaks to the difference between the expert and the coach. Right. If you see, when I saw Dr. Jeff Geller at Integrated Medicine for the Underserved, like facilitate the group, I was just in awe of a guy who had like very clearly honed a very deliberate skill set over a number of years that I realized that I hadn't seen a lot of people execute before, which is like, if, if you're in a group and someone asks you a clinical question that you know the answer to, do you tell them the answer? And mm -hmm. if you're the expert, of course you do, because right. that's you've been, you know, your that your brain is what people are essentially buying. And that's been the way in medicine forever. Right. But the, the trick is then not to answer the question and use your knowledge of the situation to bring other people in to answer the question so that the collective is gaining the wisdom. Right. 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 So that the collective is becoming more uh, confident 
more clear about the way that they can help each other, getting used to helping each other, and in that way, creating a, a structure where over time, peer-to-peer delivery of value goes through the roof. Hmm. And what I've come to see actually is that coaches are very well trained for this. Right. And ultimately, like this group coaching uh, methodology is really unlocking that potential in a way that I'm very, very excited about because um, if behavior change is the fundamental need that below, you know, that that sits underneath functional medicine, we've all, you know, we've all um, heard of or participated in a functional medicine system that's a little bit broken, where it's like, okay, here's a three-hour appointment, here's a ridiculously complicated protocol, mm-hmm. come back in six months, and you should be better. Right. right. Which mm-hmm. is sort of just like hoping that the patient is kind of like a quick start Superman. Right. right. And part of the reason why they're in your office is because they're not a quick start Superman. <laughs> right. And not really realizing that that is uh, a problem. Yeah. Right. Well, how does this work then? How does Heal Community work? So with Heal Community, what we create is we, we really we wanted to know what is the how could you do it online? Like How could you run groups online? So the first thing we did was to just test out a sort of a group episode of care 12 weeks focused on immune health how could could we get people to change could we get people to engage virtually what were some of the differences of doing virtual versus non-virtual we learned that um, last summer and we got great outcomes and it was really exciting we learned a lot in the in the process and i can share some of that as well but then about this time last year we we happened upon the model which is essentially we ended up partnering with a clinic um, in uh, in Sacramento. So this is a, a doctor that I've got to know over the last few years, functional medicine clinic, um, one MD, three PAs, all trained in functional medicine, and they take insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So they're in network uh, with um, a few different uh, insurance carriers. And then they also are part of this thing called Hill Physicians Group, which is a group for independent doctors. And um, what the model that we came up with is like, you prescribe the program to the patients, right? You prescribe this group episode of care, we'll execute all aspects of the group. So not just hiring the coaches, delivering the curriculum, delivering the program, but also all of the annoying stuff that actually creates the friction. Like I was on Dr. Geller's uh, training a couple of weeks ago and the number one concern that the doctors had to integrate and start groups was the amount of other staffing necessary in order to execute it. And, And that's a reasonable concern because you do have to have like a tech support person. You do have to have someone who's going to be like solving problems so that the main coach can really be there super present for the group and making sure that the container is really working and and going in that way. So that was an amazing moment last year where we realized that, you know, because of changes in coding and changes in the telemedicine laws, we could essentially become like an extension of care of a practice virtually, the patient doesn't know that we're not just like in the room next door. Mm -hmm. The doctor is prescribing the groups. The doctor in some cases even showing up in the groups to sort of convey their credibility, um, you know, to the coach who's starting the groups. And in some cases showing up as not Dr. Bisher at the doctor, but as Kate, the patient Mm -hmm. uh, for her own issues and participating in the group. And then we execute all aspects of the group, the insurance, uh, the, the clinic bills for the insurance for the sessions. And then essentially, um, you know, we end up, uh, you know, they get half the money and we get half the money. Like we bill them for the, for the sessions that were billable. 
and yeah, over time, and so that that's how it works. Like we yeah. we essentially become an extension of care of a clinical team. They have to bill insurance, and then ultimately we're delivering a sort of a a functional medicine experience for patients, and that experience is really focused on the sort of the the key foundational parts of functional medicine that sometimes honestly get lost in functional medicine practices. Mm-hmm. We get so excited about, you know, the, the the testing and the supplements that we forget that ultimately like the long-term trajectory of this patient is going to be determined by how aggressively and consistently they implement the new healthy behaviors. And that's what we're focused on. So the doctors can focus on what they're good at and what they love doing. Talk about filling a niche, right? Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. Um, you know, because, Exactly what you're going after is, I think, is the, the the golden aspect, which is how do we get people to change behavior? And so from the community perspective, I, th- I guess one of the questions I have is, you know, you're right. The, the model for most of medicine that we've understood it is the doctor has this certain expertise, this certain knowledge, right, that they're parlaying. But that's just the educational component. You know, that's the, the docere part of it. The other part of it is getting the patient to do behavior change. So what is it? The What's the power of the community and the peer to peer aspect of it? Because like when I think of coaches, one of the roles that they facilitate is accountability. So is that part of the power of the community or is there so, another element that's part of it too? I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So accountability is a big part and that's, that's one certain, you know, really big part about it, but I want to just share the thing that happens in the group. So the most sophisticated functional medicine practices that I've ever seen do some sort of like, um, they do some sort of test to understand what kind of patient this is, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of like disc scoring or Colby tests or that kind of thing, right? So they're like, what kind of patient is this? Because different patients are gonna react differently to, Mm -hmm. you know, to different situations. What I see happening in the group, which is which is what I think is super powerful, is this: that in, in any group of twenty people, there are going to be people that are going to be like quick starts, right? They just take the information and run, and these are the people that do really well in your functional medicine practice, right? Where you give them the information, and they just they'll just take the information, they'll go to the supermarket, they'll get the stuff they need, and they'll start doing it, and they'll get results straight away. And in some cases, clinics have just switch their whole program to only find those people because they're like well look these other people don't do it like i tell them what to do and they don't do it and it's mm-hmm. their fault because right. there's something wrong with them that they're not these quick start people. got a compliance issue. actually yeah. these these are just different personality types right right uh-huh. so in a group what happens and if the group is long enough like shilpa saxena's original group model was cool but it was just a one-off group, right? You're not becoming friends in an hour and a half, even if, you know, however good the facilitation is, Mm -hmm. but over 12 or 24 weeks, new friendships definitely are created. So what happens in the group is the quick starts, you know, start going, let's say that's 20% of the group. So four people are off and running. The other ones are just like, well, you know, I'm just going to do the bare minimum because that's how I live my life until I get really, you know, convinced about something. Then, a few weeks in, they start to connect to those people and they start to see that those people are doing amazing, like are getting healthy and doing it because it's like unstoppable. If you really make those changes and do it, we all know that there's like dramatic changes in your physiology from eating differently, dealing with your stress differently, sleeping differently. Like we understand that from functional medicine. So then this sort of like laggard group, slightly laggard group sees 
you know, Janice going for it and losing weight already and like fired up by the whole process. And it's like, oh, doesn't sound that hard. Like Janice is doing it. Let's do it. And then they start doing it too. And then, then there's like, you know, maybe the hardest patients to convince who are like super skeptical at the beginning. Maybe it takes them six, eight, 10 weeks to see, but like that much positive reinforcement plus the coaching, plus realizing like, when are you going to have a better opportunity to do this than right now? When are you going to be better supported? Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think in the first month, we've taken real, real pains to like strip away all of the like reasons why people wouldn't do it. Like a big thing that I've heard, you know, so many times um, that, that we've seen is that like people don't have people in their community that are going to support them in this transformation. All of the like uh, relationships they have are to very unhealthy things like the drinking buddies or pizza night or all these things that you can't participate in if you have a newly diagnosed autoimmune disease and you're going to a functional medicine doctor right really getting honest in the first month about who in my community is going to be supportive of my transformation and getting to write those people down and reach out to those people like these are we just came to the functional medicine experience and be like look what would be the, the the original thesis was this what is the optimal onboarding to functional medicine mm-hmm. and for me it's less three hours and all the tests and sitting there and not mm-hmm. really like you know just getting overwhelmed and it's more putting yourself in a container where you can start to feel what it feels like to change and that's that's what we've created and ultimately that's now available to any functional medicine practice that takes insurance, but more excitingly, every other practice in medicine, right, that isn't going to functional medicine, that doesn't understand the intricacies of the Genova test, or maybe is like a little bit excited about it, but can never see how they're gonna do it. It's like an implementation engine for them that's more profitable than drugs, where our amazing outcomes can become their outcomes. And, you know, they can can have those outcomes for their patients. And, you know, that now they have like this sort of scalable, reliable health coaching partner in their office that, um, you know, can really deliver a new level of patient care uh, to the patients who in an insurance system, just by the nature of that system are like under supported. You know, when, as you're speaking, you know, I was reminded of when we spoke to Christopher Moat, and he was talking about using this in his practice. And he really struck me when he was talking about the relationships that were formed within the group, the friendships that were formed, and how powerful that was. So as you're speaking, I was thinking of Chris Moat. The, f- the interesting thing about what you just said, too, James, is like it, it's almost like the, the fact that they're all starting at square one and it's more like a there's a timeline associated with it right whereas like so often in life like we have these people that come and go and different influences but we're all on a different time scale as far as our progression and so the fact that you're locking this group of people into the same like the stopwatch starts at the same time for everyone like there's power in that which i'd never thought of i think that's fascinating well there's power in that but let me just tell you this like (laughs) The, one of the biggest problems that we have in functional medicine is that no one is really tracking their outcomes very well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Look at who does track their outcomes, right? Cleveland Clinic tracks their outcomes. What has that led to? That's led to two unbelievably critical publications in very respected journals and like the pro- a lot of progression in the, in the space. You know, Parsley Health tracks their outcomes and that's like a, you know, 
nine figure value company because they've shown that, you know, you apply functional medicine to different cases and people get better. You know, someone like Dr. Cheng Ron is tracking his outcomes because he's part of an ACO. And so he's like inside the system by having to track his outcomes for the ACO. And so that's leading to a lot of interesting things on that end. But outside of that, who's really tracking their outcomes? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the cool things about having a fixed episode of care that's the same for everyone, even though, you know, if you've listened to Dr. Moat's podcast, or if you listen to my previous podcast, you know that like, not everyone in the group is executing the same plan, right? Just because you're in a group doesn't mean you're all doing the same protocol. There's plenty of opportunity to fit individualization of care inside the group. And that's kind of like this exciting next, you know, phase. But ultimately, like in our groups, 75% of people who had high depression when they come in improve depression, 75% on fatigue, 65% on anxiety, uh, 70% on sleep, 60% on pain, like pretty much everything that we've measured on promise outcome score gets better because this is a full spectrum biopsychosocial intervention. Mm-hmm right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a a social intervention. Yes, there's a social part of it and people gain new friends. There's a psychological part of it for sure, because ultimately we're teaching mindfulness and, you know, we're having them experience and do those kind of things with their progress partner. But it's also a biological intervention because we're doing the elimination diet as a group together. Mm -hmm. And people are, you know, changing the way they sleep and um, you know, changing how they exercise and participate and changing their engagement. So this is like a full as possible spectrum intervention. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, guess what happens when you give people that dose? Everyone gets better. Right. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Well, and another interesting facet of this is like you talked before so much of the the community and the group sessions have been interrupted over the last couple of years. And so many practices have moved to virtual practices. So what have you've been like, you've had a, been able to watch this transition the whole time. What have you noticed as far as people transitioning to virtual and does the same rule apply? Yeah, well, look, telemedicine's here to stay 100%. It, 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 telemedicine evened out at 38 times the uh, level that it was being delivered before the pandemic. Right. So that it went, you know, that's significant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's changed forever and it's so respectful of people's time. Like, I, you know, I just speak to random people too, not just like doctors, but I think everyone just realizes how sitting in the waiting room and then like, uh, you know, answering the same questions on the form you fill out and then the MA and then the doctor all the same, you know, it's so disrespectful and it's such a, like a part of, you know, of, of just what we've come to expect in medicine. It doesn't need to be like that. So I think that telemedicine's here to stay. Especially if you're dragging two that, kids around. What? Especially if you're dragging kids around through all of that. It's yeah. a nightmare. And sitting next to the other sick people in the right. room. Right. You know, like, yeah. you know, so, so that, so that, that's, that's for sure. So then it's like, even harder for people to think about, well, well, how am I going to do a group visit? Like, I'm going to get all these people in and what are going to be the safety protocols? And I might, you know, all that stuff. You know, what we found when we started doing these, you know, groups online is that, yes, there is a certain like loss of like real tangibility of sitting in a room together and like really feeling that. Cause I, I felt that like I have my own men's group and we've gone back to in-person meetings. And so I, I know what it's like to be in that group and really like, feel transformation happen between humans. However, you know, doing doing it virtually creates a way more access, right? 
geographical access at 20 people driving like even one thing i've heard from practitioners well if i have 20 people in a group i've only got six slots in my car park mm-hmm. that kind of level was holding things was holding people back from delivering group medicine never again now we're just like everyone can show up on the zoom everyone's in the portal in between the sessions you know that's that's a that's a big deal respect and then also like you're in people's homes now you know, I, I just want to share, that's a big thing that we've learned too, is that, um, you know, we're practicing environmental medicine, right, one way or another. And the environment that you spend the most time in is your home. And we've had a couple of funny institute in moments where it's like, so what's your diet been like this week? Well, it's been, you know, mainly salads and I've been doing a great job. Okay, well, you know, let's Let's go and look in the fridge. Let's go see what's, what's there. And then the baby's like, well, oh, I've got to be honest. You know, I don't really want to show you the fridge because they know that, the, you know, it's Bud Light and Cheetos or whatever's right. in there. You know? So, you know, that there's a, there's a certain level of like, you know, environmental accountability. Mm-hmm. And environmental accountability is what it takes to get better, mm-hmm. right? If you're in the old environment, it's hard to get better. You create a new environment and your home is where most people are spending a lot of their time. Um, or, you know, everyone is spending a decent amount of their time, the majority, you know, sleeping and all that stuff. So, yeah, so that's been really powerful, too. So just really getting into it with people being in their homes. And yeah, this this combination of the group plus the coaching, you know, creates, like you said, accountability. But there's also like a level of mentorship that I think we've been missing in functional medicine where, you know, people who have got better through it are able to then like hold the hands of other people. And ultimately, if you look at like a health coach, you know, typically what a health coach is, is someone who's been there and done it and got themselves better. And now is like super passionate to be part of the ecosystem. And and what we found is that the the number one phrase that we've heard that um, is really concerning, but was also like really magical to know is like, I could never talk about this with my doctor. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's something about that peer to peer dynamic where if you start off the conversation with like, hey, my name's Christina, I had an autoimmune disease, um, you know, this is my life story and this is what I did and I came through it, you know, then it's very different than like I'm a doctor and I went to Harvard and I've learned from all the best people and I'm going to fix you. Right. You know, there's something about, you know, you, how you open up to someone like that that I think is is really creating a, a new level of vulnerability and trust and mentorship. And I think that's sorely needed in the business of reversing chronic illness because it's a skill. Like there's a skill component to it. So who better to teach you that skill than someone who's actually done that skill rather than someone who knows sort of mentally what that skill is and is just like telling you to do it. Yeah. And I think of yeah. I think of that as being, you know, missing curriculum in a way. Yeah. You know, in that way, because no matter how if we're trying to get away from sort of an authoritarian type medical institution, you know, where it's like doctor and then patient and move to the doctor as teacher, even with that, it's a, it's a nicer delivery system, but it's still a duality. You know, there's still somebody giving and still somebody receiving as compared to the group, like you're talking about, that's peer to peer. Now it's a collective. There's no, there's no dichotomy. There's no duality there. It's a group. And that to me is like, that's the missing curriculum. Well, let let me take this a step further, if I could, James, and apply this to your functional forum, which is world-renowned of of getting people together in these meetups and this functional forum. In the time of the pandemic, it's been virtual. Is there ever a time where you're going to bring these clinicians back together in one room? 
Yes, there is. And it's already happening and it's like super exciting. So yeah, look, I would just say there's two, yeah, there's two things that I'm spending, you know, my time on the, the vast majority is really getting heel community up and running. And so if you're billing insurance and you're like either a physician or, you know, you're like, I love working with these functional medicine clinics, the bill insurance, but I'm super, super excited about all the non-functional medicine clinics because there's just so much more volume. There's so much more need. The patients just shift, you know, effortless, effortlessly. They're so ready for this kind of care. They're so excited about it. Um, it's getting me excited, but yeah, getting practitioners together. Like we're just entering is, is this new phase of, of what we're doing on the functional forum. And I'm, I'm super excited to come and share. And actually Genova is being a, a very um, great support for it and is in full support for it. So it's really exciting. So just to, I guess, dial back for people who don't know the backstory, but in 2014, how this all started is, you know, we started a functional, this, this thing called the Functional Forum, which was a meetup for doctors in New York who were interested in functional medicine. That's how it started. And we put on a live show and it's gone actually every Monday and it still goes every, um, for more than almost eight years now. Um, in 2015-16, we saw astronomical growth in essentially free local practitioner meetups, mainly held and run by local practitioners. So IFM got behind it in 2015 and basically said, hey, why don't you get a group of practitioners together and watch the monthly functional forum and use that as a, you know, as a structure to create community locally. And we had 400 different groups around the, the world sign up on six continents. It was super exciting. It was super overwhelming. I had four employees. We had no business model. <laughs> we were just using Eventbrite. We were hustling as fast right. as we could to make it work. We had no real idea what we were doing. It just took off. Mm-hmm. What we, what we came to realize is that one, practitioners really want community, really value community, really want to hear from other practitioners, really want to build a strong referral network in their local community, don't just want to refer to people they don't know, want to have like real relationships with other practitioners, want to learn from each other. But we also learned that by and large, and there are exceptions to this rule, putting doctors in charge of the meetups wasn't the best idea right. because they got a million other things going on. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, as soon as it's not the biggest priority for them, it kind of drops off. So we went to 400 and then we kind of dropped off down to hundred pretty quickly because most doctors were like, eh, I've got so much to do and, you know, I just can't keep up with it. And so, you know, over the last few years, we took a little bit of time to really think, okay, if we wanted to set up the meetup infrastructure or the, the community infrastructure, what, what should we be basing this on? And the, the few things that we realized is one is that there are other things that people, that practitioners need locally that currently is only delivered nationally. So let's just think about like a job board. If you want to hire a front desk person or a health coach or even a nurse practitioner, you know, it's unlikely that that person is going to move from out of state to come and work with you, but they will move in the town. And so, you know, having a place where practitioners can like, you know, solve those kind of problems locally um, is big, you know, referrals I mentioned, and then obviously like showing up and meeting people and, you know, these kind of events, all of those things like do better locally than nationally, even if you come to, you know, your functional medicine conference once a year, it's not enough. So, and then also it was like, who's the best person to be at the middle of these meetups. Now, for those of you who don't know, my, my story is like, I was a sales rep. So I was like selling to doctors who were interested in functional medicine for years. 
And as I started to look out into the ecosystem to see which meetups was, you know, standing the test of time, there was typically someone involved with the meetup who was kind of like, it was kind of their job to get in touch with practitioners, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like a Genova person in the field, mm -hmm. right? Who's got all of these doctors that they're meeting with. They actually have a much broader understanding of what's happening in their territory than any doctors. That's mm -hmm. what I learned from me being a rep because I knew all these doctors, I was going into their offices regularly and I'd be like, they'd be like, oh, I'd really like to learn more about how to do with Lyme. And I'd be like, oh, you don't know this doctor over here? He's doing Lyme, he's just up the street. Oh, I've heard of him, but we've never met. And then, you know, being able to put them together um, and, and connect them was super valuable. And that was like the beginning of the thinking around the functional forum years before it. And so, you know, what we're doing now with this next iteration, one is we're moving from a meetup structure to a community structure. So the meetups are going to be part of the community, but it's not all the community is. There's a place where people can connect with each other. There's a digital portal. There's a, um, a practitioner listing, right? That's one of the things we've seen is again, like, how do you find, how do patients find a, a, a local practitioner? You know, it's, it's, again, it's not that obvious that you'd go to like a worldwide education organization's website to find someone who's in your town, right. you know, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be good if there was like a listing that was curated locally of people with their specialty and whether they take insurance and all that kind of stuff to, so you can find what you're looking for. So there's that piece to it. And ultimately who we're putting in the middle of these groups are the people that are going to be financially incentivized to really make the group awesome, which is, you know, we've seen that there are so many people that are in the industry that are super passionate about the transformation of healthcare that want functional medicine to grow and be a part of the, you know, that be the future of, of healthcare, but their job title is sales rep or account manager or otherwise. And, you know, as I've traveled around the country and, and met quite a few of them, I've just realized like, we need to engage these people in the future of medicine. Mm. And I'll just give you one example. Uh, Kristen Brokaw is the orthomolecular sales rep for um, St. Louis. And 12 years ago, when she started her job, she started a dinner every quarter that she ran. It became the St. Louis Institute of Integrated Medicine. Mm. And I've been to St. Louis a few times there. And every functional medicine doctor that I've met in St. Louis loves Kristen. Mm -hmm. She puts on a quarterly event. They pay to come to the events. They pay to be part of her little community. But it's like every quarter, they know that all of their colleagues are going to be there. There's going to be great education. There's going to be added value throughout the year. And I was just like, okay, there's a model that we can scale. So I'm super excited to announce that we are launching the first 30 of our uh, worldwide communities um, this month. Um, if you watch the functional forum on November 1st, we're going back to our live format. So twice a year, we're going to do the super live fun uh, format that we did before. It's going to be coming from Boulder, Colorado. Nice. We've got Amazing. incredible speakers and we're going to be um, like really launching these, these 30 groups. And um, now it's starting to accelerate. Like a lot of other groups are starting to realize that they want to be in the mix for this. So our goal would be to have, you know, maybe a couple hundred by the end of next year. And, you know, we want to have in the next five years, every major city in the world should have a functional medicine community. And we want to facilitate uh, that in partnership with organizations like Genova and like some of the, the brands that are coming into the beginning. We've got Orthomolecular, we've got Metagenics, we've got Biocidin. 
We've got uh, Quicksilver Scientific. We got the Institute for Functional Medicine, mm-hmm. um, and you know more and more organizations joining all the time because they recognize that patient that, that doctors are the loneliest they've ever been with regards to their colleagues because conferences have been canceled for mm-hmm. two years. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy about that. And I will say anyone who listened to your first appearance on this podcast heard you lay out the future for functional medicine on the back end of a pandemic as the true North star moving forward. And I'm just so excited that you're continuing to move this forward and continuing to grow it. But uh, those who listened also remembered that last time we had you on, we asked you about sandwiches Yeah, um, and you gave probably the greatest answer we've ever heard to a fireball question, but we do have another one that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman. That was pressure too. I feel like, (laughs) well, okay. So yeah, you know, I just, I will tell you that I've been called on that a few times (laughs) in the last year and a half, like really I've been in very unsuspecting situations that have been asked about my choice. So the podcast obviously gets around. (laughs) Well, and another bit of personal information about to go out to the public, sir. So the question (laughs) is, um, how do you feel about karaoke? And if you like karaoke, do you have a signature song? Oh, that's a great question. Maybe you know that I do like karaoke. Yes, we were guessing. Um, We guessed that. Yes. So I do like karaoke. My signature song is Tribute by Tenacious D. (laughs) So I really can can bring the Jack Black and you can call me on that. I will tell you, oh, I don't know if this is the time to do it, but I do have, I have a dream. I have a dream for my, my 40s, right? I'm 40. I just had my 41st birthday. Uh-huh. So the dream is that I would, I would, um, yeah, I'm going to have a, 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 a sort of a, like a, a soul funk band that wow. does, um, weddings and other events. Now, the critical piece here is that I'm going to find a band that already exists uh-huh. that's amazing and already does it. And then, so I know that they put on a good show. And then I'll just come in for like, you know, maybe they're like the last eight songs when the crowd's already whipped up and I'll just do my songs. And we'll call it something else and I'll handle the bookings. Okay. And if you want me for your like sister's wedding or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I really have uh, repressed that part of myself, which was like when I was 25, I was in a band and my, that's my, my wife is always like, Hey, remember when you were in a band? Like that was it. I was the front man of a band when I lived in Georgia, when I first moved and I've repressed that part of me. In fact, I'll just keep going because I'm yes. going to be open up. So yeah. <laughs> when I first pitched my business partner, Gabe, about what the functional forum was going to be, because we had had this idea of doing the functional forum, when I was like, look, this is the run of show that I see. Um, the opening number was going to be like a lip sync <laughs> uh, with me and Danielle from Sakara Life. I don't know if you guys have seen Sakara. Sakara has blown up. I was just in um, LA over the weekend. And the, the advertisings are everywhere. But Danielle and I, we were friends from before because we lived in New York together. And she's a she's a performer. So I had this idea that we were going to do this duet to start with. And I told it to Gabe. And he was just looking at me. He was like, this is our big moment. Like, are you going to ruin it by doing a lip sync? Like, this, is, this could be our, our big thing. So, you know, that moment, traumatic, you know, the trauma of that moment suppressed my... Um, my participation and anything like that for a while, but I do love karaoke. I actually had my house warming a couple of weeks ago and we had some karaoke. So, you know, if you're listening to this, 
um, you know, and you want to, you know, you want to talk karaoke, I guess, reach out. That's right. And if you're listening to this and you'd like to see a picture of James as a frontman for his band, then thank you for that. We'll provide that link in the show notes. I appreciate you sending that picture along, James. And, um, and yeah, just thank you so much for being with us and, and as always providing your energy, uh, your support, your wisdom, and just the, the, the general, as Patty said, North Star as far as where we are all trying to get to and how best to get there. Thank you. Yeah, look, and I, I want to, you know, just acknowledge uh, Genova's, you know, support for this. Like um, Jen from Genova has been a, a close ally for a number of years. And I, I know that, um, you know, I just I just see... You know, I, I just I, I just want to acknowledge the support and having me back here on the podcast. You know, I know we're all we're all passionate about trying to get this this sort of way of thinking about care to way more people. And I think we all spend our time thinking about how we can do it. And I definitely spend my time thinking about how we can do it. And I would just say that I really feel like we've kind of cracked the code with with Heal Community. And the combination of heal community and these meetups, you know, let's, you know, I think it could be really, it would be really exciting to, you know, what I'm excited to see is that if you could get 10 allopathic clinics in any city to be running these sort of lifestyle medicine groups, how does that affect demand for the functional medicine clinics in that ecosystem? Because those clinics, like one of the, one of the clinics we just started working with is a totally allopathic um, rheumatology clinic. And the volume in that clinic is outrageous. Like the number of people they see in a week with four rheumatologists right. is crazy. Right. And so the volume in, in conventional medicine is so much bigger. I think my, my, my thesis, and this will be proven out in the third recording that we do at some time <laughs> in the future, yeah. but my thesis is that what we're essentially going to be doing is, is providing this missing curriculum, you know, through this third party that, you know, that uh, through the, 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 the allopathic doctor that knows enough, right? They know their patients are sick. They know they're not doing the lifestyle. They know they're lonely. They know they need more support if they're really going to like change behaviors. But that ultimately when these patients go through a process of now going through their timeline, understanding how they got here, that I think that there'll be, you know, a, a net benefit to the whole ecosystem because, um, you know, this sort of big blue ocean of patients that have not really been touched medically. They've been touched like by podcasts and, and summits and, yeah. you know, and sort of like um, the way that information has gone out, but they've never really felt that in their doctor's office. And I'm really hopeful that, um, you know, this will significantly kickstart the, you know, growth of the ecosystem for patients, physicians, and anyone else who cares about the transformation of healthcare. Well, if anyone can do it, we know it's you, James Maskell. And we want to encourage everyone to check out your podcast, your books, the Functional Forum. We're going to link to the Community Cure in the show notes so that everyone can take a look at that. And thanks for being a friend, James. We love you, and we're just honored you came on again. Thanks very much. You know, I could totally see James doing tenacious oh, tea. I, I, ha- I don't. Need, that's not even a stretch for my imagination. No, that at all. It actually makes complete sense to me because he sort of thinks outside the box. So you know, he's going to have some quirky, offbeat answer that no one else would have thought of. Well, you know, what needs to happen is that somebody needs to go and ask him to do it. Oh, we need this on video. We'll have to hit karaoke night somewhere after we see the Nutcracker. <laughs> Next time on the lab report, spooky stories. (laughs) (laughs) She she might just think we're funny. (laughs) 
Travis, put her in the laugh track. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. There's this company yeah. that conducted the survey called The Science of Scare, and they had people watching all these scary movies to try to determine what's the scariest movie of all time by just seeing how their heart rate went crazy. Yeah. What do you think the answer was? Are these first-time viewers? Um, like, had they never seen the movie before? We don't know. We don't know. They didn't control for that? I'm not sure. I didn't flawed. read the actual study. It's a flawed study. I would say, scariest movie of all time? Yeah. For me, it's The Ring. Really? Did that make your heart... Either that or The Shining. I would say The Shining, but that's not the answer. It's a movie called Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Apparently, their heart rates went up 32% while watching this movie. Heart rate? This is the metric of fear? I mean, what if it's just a bunch of people who have a crush on Ethan Hawke? Fair point. (laughs) (laughs) The witch likes it. (laughs) She thought that was fair. Well done, Travis.